Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. 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 If you are even remotely a savage, you'll run these people over in a second. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. It is a UFC Friday, your UFC betting preview. UFC Vegas 71 coming your way this weekend from UFC Apex Center in Las Vegas. Brendan Glasheen, your host, joined by our UFC contributors, Sean Zarello and Billy Ward. We'll dive into underdogs, props, and more. We'll finish up with best bets as well. And who knows, maybe today will be another day in which we say the best bet is not our favorite bet, but we'll find out because that's what often happens. Point being is, folks, when these guys give out picks, they like all of them and they give out a best bet because they just have to make a choice. And sometimes they say it with more conviction than others. So just listen to the whole thing. Main event, Sergey Pavlovich, Curtis Blades. I'm tempted to make a dodgeball reference when White Goodman goes down the list of his fellow contributors on his team. Zarillo going into this one here. Pavlovich has won five straight. Blades has won three in a row, eight of nine. Uh, two big, big fellas with power. How do you just first off assess the, the the matchup? Both kind of vying for position here to move up the ranks, both three and four respectively. And how do you want to bet it? Yeah, Billy and I were talking before the podcast that was Stipe and John Jones potentially fighting and then both retiring. This is a de facto number one contender fight for who is probably going to end up facing Cyril Gaon for the heavyweight bout, which ends up becoming vacant after that Jones-Stipe fight. So very important fight here for the heavyweight division. Very intriguing fight from a stylistic perspective. I think Billy and I and pretty much anybody who handicaps this sport seriously would agree on how this fight plays out, which is very likely that if Curtis Blades can survive seven minutes, he should look about minus 1,000 over the remainder of the fight, whether he finishes the fight in the second round or is able to coast to a decision with his grappling. He's probably the best wrestler in the heavyweight division. Maybe Jelton Almeida has something to say about that. Almeida is the better grappler than Curtis Blades. And Blades isn't a particularly adept or damaging offensive grappler. He's good at taking people down, holding position, doesn't necessarily land a ton of damage, doesn't really have much of a submission game. But Pavlovich is a bad defensive grappler. We saw him get completely dominated by, I believe it was Alistair Overeem. 
Um, incredibly powerful on the feet. Blades is a little chinny. And Pavlich is the better technical striker and has the speed advantage. So we've seen Blades in other fights be content to strike in round one. Falls in love with his hands a little bit. He needs the wrestle here immediately because he's a little chinny. If Pavlovich connects, it could be lights out very quickly. We've seen him connect on other heavyweights, and his power just seems to be a little bit different and above average even for the heavyweight division. So the way I would want to bet this is Pavlovich early, Blades late. I think from a pre-fight pre perspective, the best ways to bet it, Pavlovich round one, Pavlovich round two, and then look to live bet Blades after round one. If you have a book, there's one book out there that lets you play same-game parlays. I would look to place Pavlovich and under half a round at plus 600, Pavlovich and under one and a half rounds at plus 250, and then alternatively, Blades with the over one and a half rounds is plus 250, Blades with over half a round is minus 105. So amongst those four, I'm probably going to look to play Blades with the over half a round and live bet Blades after round one, but I'm very tempted to play the, the other way and bet Pavlovich early in the first round, in the first round and a half. I think if you give him that time, that minute or two to stand up in the second round and potentially ran a knockout too, he may have an opportunity to do so. But I expect Blades not only with his style, but just in terms of the cardio advantage to be able to tire out Pavlovich if this extends for any period of time. So Blades justified favorite, but that first round is going to be very hairy. Billy coming in to uh, UFC Vegas 71, Zarillo kind of mapped out there. Pavlovich has had some early minute finishes as of late, and you've got your luck ratings up right now at actionnetwork.com. You think the line's fair with uh, with Pavlovich at plus 138, Blades minus 170. How do you want to go about betting a side here? Yeah, this is, and I put it, you know, in the luck ratings. If this weren't the main event, I would not mention it at all in luck ratings because all of Pavlidis' fights have ended in the first round. There's nothing right. lucky about a first-round knockout one way or the other. This is also, like, my least favorite kind of fight to ha handicap, which we've talked about lately. You know, you've got a guy who's just on an absolute tear against lower-level competition, fighting kind of a stalwart of the division. He's got some losses, but they're against the best of the best. It's just tricky. Because, you know, we haven't seen Pavlovich beat upper-level competition. Doesn't mean he can't. He's beat everyone they put in front of him since his debut against Overeem. Um, totally agree with Sean on all of all of his points. It's, as he put it, pretty much the only way you can see this fight. If I had to go one way or the other, I like the Pavlovich early lines. You know, superficially from a skill standpoint, he's kind of similar to Derek Lewis and Francis Naganu, Pretty one-dimensional strikers who both have wins over Curtis Blades. Pavlovich also does have a wrestling background himself. I believe he competed in Greco-Roman, which isn't great for MMA. Like, it's probably the worst kind of wrestling background to have for MMA, but it's it's better than no wrestling background. And yeah, he got worked on the ground by Overeem, but I'm pretty sure Pavlovich was expecting a striking fight. If he has any sense at all, he's expecting Blades to try to wrestle here, which changes the calculus a little bit. But perfect world, Pavlovich either finishes him around one, or hurts him enough that we can get a huge line on Blades Live after round one. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Uh, Fandu, I love the you know multiple rounds where you get the equity in all of them. Pavlovich rounds one, two, or three, plus 185. Not a ton better than his money line, but the odds of him winning any other way are infinitesimal, so I've got no problem with that. And then again, Blades Live. I'm not going to take Blades Live if he wins round one and goes to minus 500 or something, but if Pavlovich lands a couple times and we can get a better odd on better odds on blades certainly like that and sean's totally right you know if you can get blades and over one and a half or blades late style props that makes a ton of sense too 
my only concern with that is Blades taking him down right away and finishing him wouldn't totally shock me. I, I think that's more likely than Pavlovich grinding out a five-round decision. So that's why I like the Blades live once we know that risk is removed. Obviously, you're taking the chance of, you know, the line not getting better. But sometimes the best bet is the one you don't make. So I'm willing to willing to hold my hold my money until then. Yeah, that's why, you know, of the four bets that I mentioned, I like the Blades with the over half around because if Blades does get that, Pavlovich is very reckless, going to come right at Blades. If Blades shoots that reactive takedown, gets it, I still think it probably takes him a couple of minutes to finish the fight. He's going to be careful consolidating that position. Not like a, you know, crazy black belt where he's immediately going to wrap up an arm triangle or something. I think it's still going to take him two minutes to finish that fight, even if he lands a takedown in the first 30 seconds. So Blades with the over half around at minus 105. I think covers the most amount of outcomes in this fight. But if you want to play Pavlovich early into a Blades live bet, I think that's a very fine way to play it as well. Okay, there's your main event preview, Pavlovich Blades. On to our uh, favorite underdog that we might like for uh, the weekend. We'll go to Zarello first. What do you got? Yeah, Priscilla Cachuera, um, not so dissimilar of a fighter from Sergey Pavlovich. Honestly, very reckless, going to come forward and chuck hands. And typically in the lower weight classes and the women's divisions happen to cover all of the lower weight classes being 115 to 145, we see fewer finishes and physicality and aggression tends to matter more. And Priscilla Cachuera encompasses that more than almost any other fighter in the women's division. She presses forward constantly. She throws very hard. She puts a lot of damage on her opponents. She's fighting Kareem Silva, who is a uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt has a severe grappling advantage similar to Pavlovich. Cachoeira is not a good defensive grappler and can get put on her back and submitted, but she's willing to cheat if she gets put on her back. She eye gouged Jillian Robertson. She's she's dirty, but that's kind of what you want in a fighter you're going to back. They will do whatever it takes to win. And frankly, I don't think fighters foul enough or cheat enough at the UFC level. It always takes like one warning and then one stern warning before they're even given a point deduction after cheating. So if I was an MMA fighter at the professional level, I would definitely be trying to implement cheating tactics and trying to gain an edge wherever possible. And I think Priscilla Cachoeira definitely does that. But in a fight that extends, I think she's the better minute winner on the damage. She's very likely to get taken down and submitted immediately. But in any fight that extends, I think it does favor her actually, uh, not only in volume cardio, but just on pure damage optics. So Cachuera on the money line, Cachuera live after round one, because her opponent, Kareem Silva, the one time she's been extended past a round and a half, she lost. So we see a lot of these fighters with early finishes come up, move up in competition to that UFC level, finally get a little resistance from a fighter who knows what they're doing and get extended and lose fights. So Cachuera on the money line pre-fight, probably, or I, I would say definitely is more finishing upside on the feet and comparable to what Silva has on the mat, but also live after round one, I think is a solid angle to play Cachoeira as well. Okay, from Kareen Silva to Bruno Silva. And that is Billy's pick for uh, his underdog. And he's got a write-up, as I mentioned. He's got the luck ratings up right now. And despite a setback last time out, Silva, Billy, has burst onto the scene here. And that's why you, you still like him. Yeah, before we jump into that one, just wanted to say, fully with Sean, I have a Cachoeira bet later. And uh, yeah, you should always cheat in MMA. You are you basically get to do one of each type of foul before you face anything. So groin strike doesn't really matter in the female fight. Cage grab, eye poke. You can do each of them one time before anything bad happens. So, you know, when we're handicapping, maybe we do 
take the people willing to cheat a little bit because nothing really <laughs> bad happens, you know. But uh, anyway, onto the Bruno. It's a bit stuff. of it's a bit of a different tone on this pod because when Zerlo, you know, talks about baseball, he highlights guys that used to use sticky stuff, and in Max Scherzer's case, he still does. Um, or if you if you're listening to our NBA podcast, buckets beware of guys wanting to drop knees on people because then they might not play the next game. So th- this is actually a case where we can uh, use it to our advantage. So You can probably even get away with one knee on the ground unless it's too hard in an MMA <laughs> fight without, without too many major consequences. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, back to Bruno Silva. Yeah, it's simply, he, he won three straight fights in the UFC by first round knockout, lower level of competition, Fights Alex Pahea in what was clearly a showcase fight for Pahea. Takes him to a decision, mixes in his wrestling. He's a BJJ black belt. I'm not sure about Silva's wrestling because taking down Alex Pahea isn't a huge accomplishment. But he's fighting a guy in Brad Tavares who's pretty one-dimensional striker and has almost no power. His knockdown rate is lower than the entire UFC's average, not the divisional average. You know, the average that includes 115-pound female fighters. Less knockdowns than them on average. So... That's not a great style when you're going against a guy who has big power and potentially a grappling edge. Of course, it all comes down to his last fight, Silva's that is, against Gerald Mioshart, where he looked terrible. He was winging wide punches, gassed out early, got finished. At plus money, I'm just willing to overlook that one, right? You know, everyone has a bad day. It's not like we have, you know, a full baseball or NBA season where we have, you know, a big sample size here. Guy might have been sick, might have been hurt, might have been beat up after the payoff fight. It was kind of a quick turnaround. Any of that could have happened. The other angle I'm playing in this one, and keep an eye on Prop Squad later, I actually like this fight to end in split or majority decision at plus 600. Tavares is probably going to land more strikes than Bruno Silva. Silva is going to land the harder strikes and also has some grappling edge. That's hard to judge. I'd feel even better about this line if we were in Missouri or Texas or somewhere with horrible judging. But that one's plus 600. I really like that just because, you know, it's kind of down to the individual judges whether three light strikes equals one heavy strike or something to that effect, which is how I see the likeliest outcome here. But in terms of a money on play, Silva has all the finishing upside, both on the ground and standing. So at plus money, I'll take that. Get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario, new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from ensuance. Excludes Michigan, disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text Tennessee Redline at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact 
Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. On to the fight of the night, Jeremiah Wells, Matthew Semmelsberger, two uh, welterweight hitters getting uh, set to square off this coming weekend, taking a look at the lines at FanDuel, Wells minus 112, Semmelsberger minus 108. A little momentum coming in here for Wells. He's gone three for four so far in UFC. Zerillo, how do you assess this fight and why does it jump out to you as one you'd like to bet and how will you bet it? Yeah, I, I think because Jeremiah Wells is just so explosive and Matt Selmsberger seems pretty durable, the idea that Wells should have early success here because he does against almost every opponent. He's so incredibly explosive and athletic in the first round. The idea that he could knock Selmsberger out or take him down and submit him, I think is pretty exciting because I would think that most fans view Selmsberger, former football player, guy who could take a lot of power on a punch, as very durable and very tough to get out of there. But Wells is very capable of doing it. Comes from a Philly gym that we've seen have a ton of success in the UFC, Renzo Gracie. Uh, but we have seen Wells struggle when he gets extended. So I think there is a possibility here as well that Semmelsberger loses round one, potentially even gets dominated, 10-aided, knocked down, dominated on the ground, controlled for an extended period of time, does nothing offensively, but then rallies in the second and third round. So I like Matthew Semmelsberger here live after round one would consider him as a pre-fight money line bet, but he's so likely to lose that first round to Wells. I'm not as interested in playing it. I think the live angle is the better play. Maybe also a same game parlay with Semmelsberger and over one and a half or Semmelsberger's late props round two, round three, but live after round one, I think the best way to play him I view him as the better volume striker, probably the better technical striker. He hits hard too. Wells is just, I mean, an absolute tank. He seems to touch people and they go to sleep. When he wraps them up, he's able to pull them down to the ground rather easily. He's a phenomenal grappler. He hits very hard. I just think over the course of a 15-minute fight, there is a reason why this is lined as a pick'em. Wells should be a bigger favorite after round one. I think you jump in on Semmelsberger on plus 200 or higher. So Semmelsberger after round one, how I'd play this fight, but I expect a good one. And I think Wells has a high chance of finishing around one. If you're playing DFS, I would definitely be using both of them. All right. Wells coming in on a short win streak, Billy, and just reading from your luck ratings right up. You were a tad surprised that this was a tight line. I am. And, you know, I hear all of Sean's analysis and he, he makes some good points. I usually come with some a little bit more in-depth uh, support for my positions in this one. But man, Wells is just so much better than Matthew Semmelsberger. Like Semmelsberger is a good athlete. He played, you know, somewhat high level college football, tough, whatever. But skill for skill, Wells is better everywhere. I think he's the better striker. We can argue power. I don't, you know, that I'm not too worried about that. But Wells is just a phenomenal grapper, grappler. The Henzo Gracie Philly guys always just continue to mull people on the ground. You know, Wells is 3 0 in the UFC, all finishes. But if you look back prior to his UFC career, he has some, you know, five-round decisions for regional championships and fairly high-level fights. He fought some future UFC guys before he even got to the UFC. I'm really high on the Henzo Gracie Philly guys generally, but Wells is my favorite of the bunch. 
I've also watched a ton of tape on him. I've been booked to fight him at a couple times, a couple different points in our uh, respective regional careers. So followed him really closely. I like Matthew Semmelsberger. He's a fun fight guy. But Wells is another one. Just because we haven't seen him go long into fights doesn't mean he can't. And if you look back a little bit into his regional career, we actually have seen him do that and hold up pretty pretty well. So I'm not as worried about his cardio. I think he'll have enough of an advantage. And if this one hits the ground at all, he's just he's many, many levels ahead of Matthew Semmelsberger. That's terrifying that you were scheduled to fight Jeremiah Wells. It, it, oh, I would guess he's like twice your size. We that's both what, that's what I would have assumed. I got a few inches on him. We both fought 170. He would have slaughtered me, but we had a, we had an amateur opponent in common who I beat and he did not. It was like his first fight ever. So I was kind of using that to try to talk up, get some big money from one of the bigger regional promotions. Everyone involved knows how that one would have gone. Yeah, so you probably saved yourself a bad knockout, but I, I did. mean, hey, it almost I'm, happened. I'm pretty glad it didn't happen, but point being, I've watched literally every one of his fights over and over. So I do have some inside info on that one. Billy, how tall are you? About six foot. Okay, he's only five nine. Yeah, so yeah, but he's, he's built like a truck. Yeah, he's a, he's a tank. Yep. Well, what would that make you built like if you had to give yourself a comp? When I was fighting one seventy, a stick. <laughs> All right, I would have taken Wells. <laughs> yeah, no, as you should have. You would have been minus ten thousand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good, good insight. We we rarely dive into Billy's fighting career on the pod, so it's it's good to turn turn back the clock. Okay, we've got props and then be- uh, the best bet uh, before we leave. Let's go to props. Zerillo, what do you have for us? Uh, first fight of the card, which I'm typically terrible at betting, but uh, this is a, I guess, a higher level fight than what we typically see from the first fight on the card. We usually don't have any data for the first fighters on the UFC card. They're glorified uh, contender series fights, but Bakary, Dana, Dana Bakary, however you want to organize his name, against Brady Highstand, who was in the Ultimate Fighter finale. Uh, Dana has decent wrestling, and I think enough wrestling to resist Highstand early and put him in serious danger on the feet. Better technical striker, much more power. Hits very hard, and I do not like the way that Highstand has reacted to strikes in the past. He seems like a durable kid, but he's very, very hittable, and he's going to get clipped hard. And often here, I think, particularly in the first round. So did not inside the distance by knockout, maybe even his round one props as well. I'm going to consider playing all of those. This seems like a big step up in competition for high stand. He's improving, shoots takedowns at a high clip, would not touch Dana's money line because I think over the course of 15 minutes, there's a chance that high stand, especially if he's improved, could absolutely destroy him with wrestling. But he's not able to get those takedowns. I think he gets finished. So. Bakary deny inside the distance knockout. Maybe it was round one prop as well. Billy, as you mentioned, you're, you're going to go back to Zerillo's underdog pick, but you have an angle uh, on, in the prop market. Yeah. Uh, Priscilla Cachoeira, zombie girl, as we call her. Um, I, I'm just taking her round one line. It's as high as plus 600. The thesis here is Kareem Silva hasn't fought anyone who's going to come forward as aggressively and blitz her the way Cachoeira is because there really isn't any or not many female fighters who just go with that kind of reckless abandon and have the power to match it. We've seen some, you know, I talked about, oh, who was it a few weeks ago who does a similar thing, but doesn't really have the power. Luana Pinheiro, similar style, but minus the power. Catchaware has both. And we're going to know right away if Korean Silva can hold up to that or not. She survives a blitz. She's probably going to work her. She's the better, far better grappler, maybe even better technical striker. But, you know, I just don't see Catchaware winning 15 minutes here. 
there's a chance, you know, start of the second round, start of the third round that she gets another blitz in before she gets taken down and maybe one of those sticks. But plus 600 is just too good in the first round. Silva probably wins this one, more technical fighter, but it'll be a scary 45 seconds or so if you're on the Silva side. So I like that plus 600 for Cachoeira. Okay, and before we go, best bets for UFC Vegas 71. Cirillo, I've been building up to this now. Is this best bet your best bet? It's not. Uh, you know, I didn't even have a best bet in the document until about two minutes before the show. <laughs> yeah, just with the way we format the show, uh, in addition to the fact that there is hardly anything on this card that I want to bet, maybe Cachoeira is my best bet, but I think this is a good card for live betting. Actually, it's it's a very, very good card for live betting. We already talked about the few of the angles. Sergey or the Blades over Pavlovich, I think, is a fine live bet. Um, Semmelsberger over Wells. I'm not sure if Billy would agree with that. Uh, Montel Jackson against Ronnie Yaya. Uh, and there is also, I, I you know, Catchware over Silva, I think, could be a good live betting spot as well, just because Silva, when she gets extended, has struggled. But my favorite of the live betting spots is Ricky Glenn going against Christos Giagos. Both Giagos brothers have about six or seven minutes of cardio, and then they completely fall off a cliff. Christos has been finished in seven of his 10 losses, typically either needs to get a takedown in two of the three rounds and hold you there or finish the fight early. Ricky Glenn is exactly the type of fighter who is built to withstand early damage or early trouble and then rally to beat you. So Ricky Glenn live after round one, my favorite live betting spot on the card, probably the best overall betting spot on the card when you think about where the odds might move if he's taken down and controlled for five minutes probably going to flip from a favorite to an underdog and then he's going to look like a favorite over the final two rounds but i also like glenn to win in round two at plus 850 and glenn to win in round three at i believe plus 1400 any of the numbers in that range are fine plus 750 in round round two plus a thousand in round three i think i would take just given the cardio dynamics of the fight Given the cardio, cardio dynamics of both Giagos brothers, the fact that they've never improved their cardio base either, I think this fight is a high chance of being finished in round two or round three by Ricky Glenn. So Glenn live after round one in his late props. My favorite live betting angle on this card, not necessarily my favorite bet, but something I actually do like quite a bit. Okay, good stuff. Billy, you've got a money line play and then we're out of here. Yeah, absolutely not my best bet either. Might have been <laughs> on Monday or so when she was still at plus money. But now it's moved to be about a pick em. Still like the bet, just not you know that high degree of confidence. And that's Norma Dumont fighting Carol Hosa. This is a featherweight fight where Dumont has fought the bulk of her career. Hosa has been a bantamweight for a while, stepping up. This might be better for her. It might give her a little more gas tank with less of a weight cut. Or she's just going to be too small and get bullied a little bit. It, they have very similar records, too, so it's not like she's had a ton more success in this stepping up. Also, Dumont's only loss in her last five was a split decision against Macy Chieson. Probably butchered that one, but, um, you know, so we've had, seen her have one fighter have success in this division, another one hasn't, and it's about to pick them. So still like that, you know, wish that line would have stayed plus money on the Dumont side, but I think she should be a slightly heavier favorite just based on the way that she's lost fights and the weight class optics here. I feel like I need to comment just because I'm a huge Carol Hosa fan, which I feel like there's not many Carol Hosa fans out there. Might be the one. I know. Um, so cardio, never an issue for her. Fights at really high volume. Going up in weight isn't necessarily going to help her 
game. She already throws a ton of strikes and has great cardio over 15 minutes. The size differential, not super concerned about. They have the same reach. Dumont's two inches taller. She does hit harder, though, Dumont, and also has all of the grappling upside in a pick'em fight. Really, it just comes down to Dumont's enthusiasm. Does she want to wrestle? Does she want to put Rosa on her back? Because if she wants to, she can, and she could probably hold Rosa there. But if she decides to stand up and strike for 15 minutes, which Dumont has been known to do in the past, I think Hosa can pace her and win on volume over the course of 15 minutes. So this all comes down to Dumont's willingness to grapple, which she always, you know, doesn't typically do in every one of her fights. But if if she fights smart, she should win this. And that grappling is also where, in my opinion, at least the weight advantage matters a lot more. You know, you can knock out someone bigger than you, but getting out from under someone bigger than you, even if it's only five or 10 pounds, it's a 10 pound jump in weight class, but we got to remember, I always try to think of that percentage wise, you know, going up from 185 to 205 proportionately isn't that much different than, you know, the 10 pounds for smaller people, just in terms of percentage of body weight. So as Sean pointed out, might not matter if she doesn't grapple, probably matters a ton if she does grapple. So we'll see, but at a pick em price, I'm okay with it. Would have loved to have the plus money, but here we are. Okay, there you go. UFC Vegas 71, your betting preview. Real quick, 10 seconds. Billy, any update on the internet court? Uh, it was great. The guy came out Friday night. The dogs have managed to stay away from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're, we're doing good. Hence, coming at you live with video this week. Good to see your face. I mean, I do miss the professional talk radio feel to what you brought to the table last week. So maybe you can fake an internet break or an internet cable break uh, soon. and We can get that awesome uh sports talk radio kind of call-in voice from you because you sounded really legit. Anywho. Okay, that's it. Uh, Sean Zarillo, Billy Ward, find them both in the Action Network app if they have any late ads. As Zarillo highlighted, live betting is a possibility, something to consider for this weekend's card. So be on the lookout if you would want to get more analysis and picks there in the free award-winning Action Network app. A couple of housekeeping notes before we go. You want to check out uh, Billy Ward has got, we talked about his luck ratings quite a bit on this show, of course, for UFC baseball from Billy Ward, uh, no run first inning. Yes. Run first inning write-ups over on the action network website, action network app. Billy's been putting those out on a regular basis for the baseball season. Sean Zarillo opening pitch. You can find his write-ups there almost every day, not every day, but for most baseball betting cards this season, Zarillo will have opening pitch, extensive breakdown picks as well uh, for baseball slates. Also next week, NFL draft gets underway starting Thursday. We'll have our final mock draft episode, Luke Swain, AKA Vegas refund. He'll be joined by the fantasy law guy and myself. We're coming up with the pod Tuesday morning. Draft is Thursday, Tuesday morning, mock draft episode. Plus, we'll have one last betting update episode next Wednesday prior to Thursday's first round. So be on the lookout for NFL Draft 2023 coverage from Action Network next week here on the pod. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. Enjoy. Happy betting. And thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.